Hello, hello, and welcome to Art House Garage, the snob-free film podcast where we make art house, indie, classic, and foreign cinema accessible to the masses. I'm your host, Andrew Sweatman, and today on the show we are discussing the new horror film, Talk to Me, from directors Danny and Michael Filippo and distributor A24. Joining me for this conversation is film critic and horror aficionado, Jessica Scott. Stick around. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Have you seen the group chat? They're doing it again tonight. No. Please. It's my mom's Remembrance Day. I just want to forget about it. Who's up? I'll do it. Cannot go for more than 90 seconds. Am I clear? What happens after 90 seconds? (laughs) Don't want to stay. Light the candle to open the door. Blow it out to close it. Put your hand on it. Now say, talk to me. Talk to me. hand feel like? It felt amazing. I could see and feel everything on the other side. So my mom, she was trying to reach out. I'm here. Still been seeing stuff. You mean saying stuff? What if we open the door but we didn't shut it? I like it. They're not gonna stop. They're never gonna stop. Welcome to Arthouse Garage. A24 is a film studio that has made a name for itself, producing high quality and creative movies. And a rather popular portion of the films they put out are horror films. Things like Hereditary, Midsummer, The Witch, Under the Skin, Green Room, St. Maud, X, Pearl, and Bodies, Bodies, Bodies all came from A24. So when they bought an indie horror film out of Sundance this year, people took note. That film is Talk to Me, which you just heard the trailer for. The film is from Australian directors Danny and Michael Filippo. The film follows Mia, 
who is grieving the recent death of her mother when she and her friend Jade encounter something supernatural. A couple of their classmates have a creepy ceramic hand that can supposedly possess you if you complete a certain ritual. They treat it basically like a party game until, when you know it, things go too far. My guest today is Jessica Scott, a film critic and horror lover. She's a writer and editor for filmcred.com. She also reviews films at wewhowalkhere.com, and she's a contributor for Slash Film, Dread Central, Inverse, and Fangoria. Jessica, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today. Welcome, and how are you? Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm doing very well. Excited to talk about horror movies today, so thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm so glad. And we met at a, like a film mixer thing and mm-hmm. quickly found out you love horror. And I was like, I got to get you on here to talk about scary movies because I love scary movies, but I don't, I don't feel like I watch certainly as many as you probably, <laughs> but um, it's, I always feel like I have so much to learn and like, there's so many classic horror and things that I need to fill in the gaps and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I always love talking to someone who is a big horror fan. So um, I believe that you saw talk to me at Sundance and you were a fan of it. And again, you watch a lot of horror movies it also feels like lots of horror movies are coming out all the time. In general, why did Talk to Me stand out to you? Um, I, first of all, it was very scary. I don't yeah. think a horror movie has to be scary to be good. Mm. Uh, horror does a lot of different things, and mm. you know, making somebody sleep with the lights on doesn't have to be one of those for a horror mm. movie to be successful. But I found it very scary, which I love. Um, you know, after you watch enough horror movies you kind of get to the point where not everything scares you as much as it used to. So finding something that freaks you out is refreshing. Uh, But also um, I know some people uh, are a little overwhelmed or over, you know, trauma as the monster or grief as the Mm -hmm. monster in horror right now. But I thought this movie handled it very well. Um, And it hit me at a, um, at a time in my life where I could relate to it a lot. Uh, so I, you know, I lost my father about two and a half years ago and watching Mia go through, you know, the loss of her mother, I related to her a lot. Um, but also I just, I think it, uh, tackles a lot of well-worn, uh, tropes mm-hmm. in horror, well-worn subject matter, and it does it in a, in a, in a fresh and an interesting way, uh, which I, you know, is all I'm yeah. looking for a lot of times in mm-hmm. horror movies. Cause you know, nobody, it's hard to have new ideas, but if you tackle old ideas with a fresh perspective, that's always exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's really well put. I think for me to answer that question again, not as um, well-versed in horror, just how creative it is. Like I, I like the opening shot really opening sequence immediately i was like this is really cool like these i feel like i'm in good hands with these you know directors uh based on that opening sequence and and continue to be that way and yeah i love that just to like talk about horror in general i guess i heard once that horror is a good way to experience some of those negative emotions like fear or grief or whatever in a way that you have consent and you can still feel safe and explore those feelings and i think this uh so that, that's cool to hear that um, it had a, some personal resonance for you. And um, I definitely had that with horror movies over the years. The Babadook is actually one that I really think like helped heal me from, from some different things back in the day. But yeah, so that I always love when a, a horror movie can do that. Mm-hmm. Well, digging in a little more specifically, what did you appreciate about this film, either the story or the filmmaking, or were there specific things you liked? I did. Um, I... You know, there are different things with Mia's uh, story. I I liked that they 
weren't afraid to get into um, some of the uglier parts of grief. And I don't, Mm. I don't mean that in a judgmental or a derogatory way. Um, Just how much it kind of takes you over and Mm. runs your life at least for a little while. Um, And I, I am a fan of horror that is not afraid to be bleak and mean spirited. And Mm. uh, this is a very bleak film that has a very nasty streak. Um, I, there's something I'd like to discuss a little later on um, where that's not such a good thing. Um, But overall, Mm. I'm a fan of um, horror that kind of, my worldview is very bleak and (laughs) mean spirited. Um, And I, I appreciate horror that, uh, that kind of, dives into that because yeah. as a horror fan i've always thought that um as a genre it's the most honest and truest hmm. um way of expressing yourself through fiction like exploring fears exploring what scares us and what troubles us to me that gets at the crux of what it is to be human more than any other genre that's one reason i love it so much hmm. um and when movies aren't afraid to uh, not give you a happy ending or not tell you that everything's going to be okay in the end. I always yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think this movie for me, uh, mentioned like the opening sequence, as I mentioned, just like that level of visual prowess. I meant to look, so I know these two directors, they're brothers. I think they're twins and they started out doing a bunch of like, horror comedy things on youtube Mm -hmm. i meant to take time to watch some of those but i didn't by the way they just announced that a a sequel has been greenlit by age 24 so talk to me the number two which is kind of a (laughs) funny title Um, but uh excited to see where this continues to go um but yeah i just thought like thematically like we talked about grief quite a bit and i have a little more to say about that later as well but just like the the themes about like peer pressure and especially like internet culture these days i thought was really well done Um, i had a friend compare it to bodies 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 actually i mentioned earlier and you know where that film like really leans into the satire and those things this one i feel like is horror first but still brings in some of that um and i I really like that because yeah i agree this movie scared the hell out of me and (laughs) that i feel like um doesn't always happen i don't know with with movies but there was a few sequences that really got to me and uh yeah. And just the writing generally, I think there's a little bit of a high wire act uh, without spoiling it yet. We'll talk spoilers in a few minutes, but towards the end of the film where you're not exactly sure who to trust and me is not sure who to trust. And it, I genuinely was un- unsure for a few moments and I thought that was really well handled. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, it's, I, I'm almost 40, so it's silly of me to say this, but it felt very authentic. Like mm. I, it's hard for, if you're not a teenager yourself or if you're not really close to that age, it's hard for you to write characters that age. Well, but I think they did that, you know, obviously they're younger guys, but um, just the idea that if you've got a haunted hand that lets you talk to the other side and you're a teenager, what are you going to do? Of course you're going to throw a party kids today. They're going to have their phones out. Everybody's taking Mm -hmm. a video. Mm -hmm. It just felt very true. Like that's um, I think a common gripe that, perhaps non-horror fans would have with horror movies is nobody would act like that in real life. People would do this in real life. This is <laughs> yeah, exactly absolutely. what would really happen. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and it would go that wrong, I think. So I, yeah. I, I like that they mm-hmm. kind of captured that and it felt like you were there with those kids. I liked all the performances yeah. and you could feel, you know, the friendships and the camaraderies and the rivalries mm-hmm. and everything that everybody remembers from high school. So I just, yeah. I really liked 
just the atmosphere that like bodies 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 is another movie i love i love that party going horribly wrong vibe (laughs) so yeah 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 for sure and i think too again because it really feels like okay if they had drugs or or like the peer pressure to drink or whatever and actually there's there is a sort of nods to that because the the younger kid at the very beginning he's like you better not be smoking in front of my mom or whatever we should try it um but it also i mean it i agree like it felt familiar to when like I don't know. I'm in junior high, and my my buddy has a dirty magazine or something, and it's like, hey, we well, gotta. I want to know about this too, like whatever. But um, yeah, just like the the way that, or like when the young kid is like, please, I want to try this. Like, just seems so much like what the younger brother in a situation like that would do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought that was all really well handled. Did you have anything about this film that didn't work for you? Yeah, I have seen um, now that more people have been able to see it since mm-hmm. it's you know, hit wide release. I have seen some critics of color in particular mm. talking about, um, you know, Mia, things start going wrong and Mia has kind of this surrogate family with Jade mm. and her mom and her brother. And they were talking about how, you know, Mia's black and most of the other characters are white and she is the one who is kind of demonized. She's the troublemaker. She's the one who mm. introduces drugs and everything. She is the character that the movie treats the most cruelly and it's kind of an example of uh colorblind casting not taking nuance into account i think where Mm -hmm. you know the the only black character is being punished the only black character is being made out to be the one bringing trouble into the situation the only black character wants to be assimilated into this white family i have seen other critics talking about that they took issue with that and rightfully so i that makes a lot of sense and you know i think it's important to like read a lot of reviews from critics of color and to see what they say about it if it's not something you noticed or if it's um you know it's something i picked up a lot more on the second watch after hearing what they had to say Mm -hmm. so i would just you know that aspect of it and also take into account other voices when thinking about the movie um so that's that would be my main answer to that question yeah, I think that's a great point. And I um, hadn't really thought about that, you know, it's, especially when there's like the younger generation, I feel like, oh, they're going to be post-racial about things. But of course, that's me as a white person, like not realizing again that we need nuance with those things. So yeah, mm-hmm. thanks for bringing that up. And that's um, that's a, an interesting perspective. I did see that there's some protests about the film. Like some countries are not screening it because there's a trans actor that it features heavily into yeah. it. And um, the filmmakers have, you know, been like, you know, very pro- trans rights and everything as you would expect and and as they should be Uh, but yeah that's a an interesting other little wrinkle to it yeah Um, and that actor put out a statement that was really lovely and really supportive of the mm. queer communities in those countries and talking Mm. about how important representation is um but yeah it's really unfortunate that just that that person's existence yeah because it's not like it's a trans story at all really like it's, it's it's not uh they just they're just there and, and I, exactly, I like yeah. that we're at a place in society where that isn't weird you know yeah and it's uh, not even like this is this character their pronouns are they them it's just normal as it should yeah. be you know mm-hmm. yeah well my only real criticism that i could think of uh, and this is a pretty minor thing but just like talked about how there's this, this theme of grief um throughout most of the film i felt like it could have been a little bit more i expect it to be a little more pointed in the ending maybe because it i think it gets to a certain point and then the ending just kind of we have like a great horror ending i love the ending of this but it doesn't exactly tie into the grief as heavily as i thought it might i guess um but it's also something 
like I, I was like what what do i have anything negative to say about this and i kind of like had to come up with it and it made me think i need to watch this again and make sure that's true because it may be just my own um interpretation of it not seeing that in the ending but again like it gets to that certain point where stuff is happening with her father and then that final act which again is great but um maybe we should go and get into spoilers now or do you have any non-spoiler favorite moments of the film and then we can talk about favorite spoiler moments of the film okay non-spoiler favorite moments um i do love you know the party montage mm-hmm. where they're i i love a montage anyway but <laughs> where they're they're just goofing around with the hand i love just the design of the hand itself yeah it's mm-hmm. very creepy but also very inviting the way it's positioned and the writing yeah. and everything um and just you know, Mia, Sophie Wilde is, mm. she is so good when she slips Fantastic. in and out of the different personas. And, um, but yeah, just the hand itself. I'm a sucker for a good seance <laughs> movie. <laughs> um, so I just, I really love that. If they don't start selling replicas of that, they're fools. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they will. A24 has got such good marketing and uh, yeah. merchandise and stuff. I'm mm. sure that will be out there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've mentioned the opening sequence a couple of times, but it really is like the fact that it's all one shot, um, I think is really amazing. One of my favorite movie openings ever is uh, Children of Men. And it's because it's that single take that ends with this really surprising thing. It reminded me of that immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was fantastic. And then um, I guess this is kind of getting into spoilers. So spoiler warning now, if you haven't watched it, highly recommend if uh you're into this sort of thing right? a lot of people i've talked to some people that oh i like horror movies but possession is a little too much i don't know if i can handle it and i'm like it is really scary so maybe maybe not for you but i do recommend it so but the the sequence the first thing that really scared me was that sequence with riley the younger brother when he gets possessed and of course that's also when it goes wrong but it like like i, I had this like the hand over mouth like oh my god what's happening sitting in the theater so uh upset by that and i thought that was just really well done mm-hmm. um and then again that that final sequence too i i once at a certain point it's like oh i see exactly where this is going but i still freaking love like how it um that, the final moment and and really that last it's probably only like 60 seconds or something where she's like walking to the hospital and and you realize like she's not in the she's like in the ethereal spirit realm or something mm-hmm. and she's not experiencing time the same way yeah. but it doesn't like explain that you just feel it suddenly and it's like oh this is really cool um but yeah also just the whole sequence where she it is where it really digs into the grief stuff where she uh the spirits are telling her oh i didn't actually kill myself so her mother i didn't actually you know die by suicide and um this isn't really your father he's an imposter and like that's when it really started to play games with mia's head and kind of with the audience's head as well i thought that was all really really well done but Mm -hmm. yeah what about spoiler moments for you uh, that that moment when Mia when Mia's dad is banging on the door and when he watching that again with an audience when I knew what was coming and they didn't was amazing like okay. the I the gasps like there were different little pockets of people and they were all like exclaiming the same thing at the same time yeah, it was wow. so much fun horror crowds are the it. best yes. um, but I I just I love. again not to be you know (laughs) bring the room down but I just love um how cold and lonely it is at the end (laughs) like um my conception of hell has never been about flames and pitchforks it's always Mm -hmm. the idea that you are alone in the cold in the dark knowing Mm -hmm. that love exists but you can't access it anymore and that's what that movie is to me Mm -hmm. it's just you are alone for eternity in, I, I like how it kind of introduces 
a sympathy for the spirits mm-hmm. because they're just alone in the dark by themselves. And then suddenly there's a light. Why wouldn't they want to yeah. possess someone and be on earth for a little bit longer? I, but, but I like that it doesn't go too far into that just enough mm-hmm. that we're there with yeah. Mia and we get it. Um, but I just, I like that it's kind of an extra gut punch. Like she's lost so much and now yeah. she's just alone and adrift. Um, it's, and, and then she's a party game, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. She's just a, a party favor to be tossed aside and forgotten. It's, it's horrifying. <laughs> um, yeah. um, but it's also like weirdly beautiful and human and yeah, I just, weirdly emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I really like um, the fact that the movie can pull off that tone. Like sometimes mm-hmm. it's really funny and really this party atmosphere yeah. and kind of wild. And then it's got this really heavy existential, like just gut punch at the end. Um, I like that it balances it so well. There's a real energy to the movie. I really Mm -hmm. like that these guys bring to it. Um, uh, As far as other spoiler moments, um, I'm again, I'm a sucker for a a, a cloaked or hidden figure, you know, Mm -hmm. Tony Collette on the ceiling and hereditary (laughs) things, things like that. So when there's a spirit in the corner of the room that kind of materializes Mm -hmm. slowly, that that's, maybe the scariest part to me when yeah, uh right before the the foot moment yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was gonna say too like there not to say because like my friend said oh it's just like bodies 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 i was like it's actually like i feel like really different tone wise but there are some really funny moments like the the foot thing and yeah. then there's like a punchline later about that <laughs> which is also like when it's happening it's also horrific but it's like kind of darkly funny yes. but then um but yeah it just you're right there's there is such an energy to it that i think allows for those uh funny moments to really land mm-hmm. um and like the, the relationship drama i thought worked really well too um it's i guess sort of a lesser part of this movie but like she uh seemingly has a crush on her you know her apparently ex who's now with her friend and all of that um but it's not like overplayed or overdone, but I think it's uh, it's an important dynamic and done pretty well. But anyway, it is. Yeah. And I, it's, yeah. it feels so honest. Like she, they keep saying they held hands once, like mm. that's the extent of their relationship, but she's still so hung up him. Like I, mm. I think everybody can remember things like that yeah. from junior high or high school. And I, you know, they, they feel like real people with real histories, which is always, yeah. you know, you want most of the time you want your characters to be lived in and fleshed out and be real people um and i i really cared about everybody even when i was you know upset with people or you know Mm -hmm. um you it helps you you know mourn along with mia and kind of be there with her the whole time which is always important for something that kind of leans heavily on character and grief and things like that well jessica thank you so much is there anything else you wanted to say before you go um yeah i think you know talking about a possession movie i think we have to mention that william friedkin just died a couple of days ago which is a big loss for anybody who loves movies um and especially you know a possession film i think this movie does a good job of you know setting itself apart or kind of carving out a niche for itself Mm. but at the same time you kind of have to acknowledge that any possession movie lives in the shadow of the exorcist yeah this couldn't Um, exist Yeah, yeah absolutely yeah um you're always going to compare it, you know, any greatest horror movie list or any possession movie list for sure, mm-hmm. you're going to end up being compared to that movie. Um, and again, this is more of a teen party, like, you know, we mentioned bodies, bodies, bodies a couple of times, that kind of thing, but it's always going to be 
living in the shadow of that movie. So I just wanted to talk about that. And, you know, I'm eager to fill in some blind spots of his films. Yeah, me too. Uh, myself, but um, anyway, I don't mean to turn it into a Friedkin no, podcast because I could do that. But I just wanted to mention <laughs> that um, just that it, it does a good job of differentiating itself, but we have to kind of pay tribute to the master as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally makes sense to bring that up, especially with that so recently. And yeah, what a huge loss. I actually had a, another friend say, hey, you're going to do anything Friedkin related? And so maybe get them on, get you on. We could do a Friedkin oh. podcast. Who knows? I'll see if there's time for that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, definitely a huge loss in the, the film community and mm-hmm. um, yeah, worth acknowledging. Thank you so much, Jessica. This has been a real pleasure talking to you about mm-hmm. this. Thank and you. I uh, would love to have you back very soon on the podcast. Uh, where can we find you online? Um, you can find me um, on Twitter at we who walk here um, on, I have a website, we who walk here.com. It has, you know, writing specific to that site as well as collections of other podcast appearances, other places I've written uh, things like that. Um, and, you know, I'm an editor at film cred. I write for dread central um, daily grindhouse, other places. So I'm always sharing my work on Twitter and on my website. Very cool. I will link to all of that in the show notes. Thanks again for your time this evening, and uh, we will talk to you next time. Thank you so much. Huge thanks to Jessica Scott. What a pleasure talking with her, and I hope she comes back again very soon. Stay tuned to the podcast in the next few episodes. Planning to get back to the Aronofsky series. Um, we had parts one and two some weeks back, and I had to take some breaks, but we are getting back to that. The next episode will feature Requiem for a Dream and Black Swan. And with that, thank you so much for listening to Arthouse Garage. We have a few years worth of episodes now. You can hear all of those in your podcast app of choice. Our theme music is by composer Paul Hunefeld. Learn more at appallingproductions.com. If you want to support Arthouse Garage, become a patron over at patreon.com slash arthousegarage. We'll find a link in the show notes. You can also buy an Arthouse Garage t-shirt at arthousegarage.com slash shop. If you want to support us without spending any money, leave a rating or review in your podcast app. That is hugely helpful. Stay in the loop about Arthouse Garage and the films we're covering by subscribing to our email newsletter. That's at arthousegarage.com slash subscribe. Or you can email me directly, Andrew, at arthousegarage.com. And of course, follow on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Just search at Arthouse Garage in all those places or find links in the show notes. And that will do it for this episode. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, keep it snob free.